0: All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. Uh, for those who are new here or just haven't been paying attention, my name is Jason and I'm joined with uh, by Brian and Tommy Caleb. Our number four is not with us this episode, but we wish him well in whatever he's doing, which is clearly more important than this. But thank you guys for tuning in again this week. Um, this is one of those episodes where Um, we, we've been talking for a while before we hit the record button and it it got to a point in the conversation when when we were hitting so many interesting topics that we just decided, look, we got to hit the button and just start recording and see where this goes. So we're going to bring you guys into this conversation, but, um, to, to bring you up to speed, we've been talking about the difference between knowing something and knowing about something. And in the last episode, uh, limiting the limiting power of information, it, it was really interesting because we were seeing that the wrong kind of information or information presented the wrong way or at the wrong time about a person or thing can sometimes actually keep you from knowing that person or thing in the way you need to. Information is not always beneficial. And there's a lot of times where too much information about something can keep you away from actually knowing it, whether that's a person or a dream or a passion, whatever it is, and so we're going to kick off this discussion with a bit of history about uh, some Aristotle, some Alexander the Great, and some characters from the Bible, and we're just going to get into it. So, Brian, what do you got? The
1: last couple of weeks as we've been talking, this has kind of really started playing through my mind of how to decipher knowledge and information we need that's productive and background knowledge so we can have a different understanding, but not getting away from knowing. And again, everything we tie to is has to deal with our identity. When you know what you are, and then there there's things within your personality and who you are that is to be brought out, um, that has to be the baseline. So we're just assume that that's where everybody's at. Um, I know it's not, we're still all growing in that, but just for the sake of some of this conversation. And as I was pondering this, I started thinking of stories of people that had information or didn't have information and what their life was, was like. And one of the One of my favorite stories is Alexander the Great, um, as you know, uh, was by the age of 30-ish, had conquered the known world and had gone beyond any other leader and conqueror. But what people don't really realize is at the age of 12 years old, he was actually private tutored by Aristotle. And in that time of tutoring, uh, Aristotle, we would probably say, was probably the most learned understood person of that era. So at least one of the top educators and philosophers of that time period. And so as they're walking through, there was this story of uh, Aristotle was laying out the maps of the world and the charts of the world that's been conquered and what they know. And Alexander asked, so what's beyond that border? And it was even Aristotle was like, well, we don't know, almost like a caution. We don't, we don't go there because we haven't gone there before. This is what we know. And it's interesting, later on at the age of 16, he leads his local army uh, to victory. His father had left to go do uh, fight another war, and he was left to protect the homeland. And as 16, he was a general. He ended up rallying and protecting his, his homeland. But later on, when he was older, he started pursuing that. And it's interesting, where he conquered the world is the places that the maps didn't go to. So he not only did the maps, but he also went beyond the maps. And I think there's something really interesting about that idea, because Alexander knew he was the king. Alexander knew that he was given tools to advance their kingdom. But he did not want to be limited by the lack of knowledge of what was unknown. And there we have Alexander the Great. And I think there's something to ponder in that whole thing. The other other thing I wanted to kind of bring up is I was pondering all the people that God had spoken to to go do something. How often God said, don't look at their faces, don't look at their information they're telling you. I just want you to go do what I'm telling you to do. And even when we look at the father of our faith, Abraham, he was told who he was. Then he was sent out to a place he hadn't been. And then he had to grow in all of this new understanding. And the things that he did know about the things that he did fear, whether it was Pharaoh or not the pharaoh, but the but the king of Egypt, and I guess he would be a Pharaoh. not sure what his actual title was at that point, but when he came across a couple of kings, he told Sarah, "You need to go be his wife." So he called her his sister, and there was some technicality that technically he was, and I don't want to get into all the historical wow. The Bible had people marrying brothers and sisters. so. Get off that for a moment. Anyway, so he basically turns her over to the king and he has a dream and says, No, you're touching the prophet of God. And then the king goes, Why would you do this to me? And so gives Sarah back and sends them out better than when they got there. The point was that probably was the one area that he knew about how kings work, how kingdoms conquer, what was be expected of him if he comes before the king. And that knowledge caused him to react based on the knowledge versus what he was. And God helped him to get beyond the knowledge to what he was and actually had to tell the king to tell Abraham who he was. And so then he begins moving on. And I think it's just an interesting idea that how much knowledge of things, I'm not referring to knowledge that you need to do something. I'm talking about knowledge of things That are outside that could be barriers, that could be blessings. That we either look to that knowledge to validate something in us, or that knowledge preys on an insecurity. But once knowledge becomes a part of you, now you know something, now actions take place. And you could know anything. You could know good things, you could know bad things. But if you absorb that, that is how your behavior is gonna go. So we actually function off what we know but we're limited or uh, maybe wrongfully advanced based on information. And I know this is technical and you could probably shoot some holes into that, but I'm trying to give a general overview. And that's kind of where our discussion was going before the podcast started.
0: So I wanted to ask you both this. Is, Is there something that you can think back to in your lives where you have gone from Okay, I have information about this thing or about what I want to do. And now I know it as a part of me. So to figure out the difference between that, and the reason I bring that up is I was I was talking with a friend about this the other day. And for some people, maybe a lot of people, it's so difficult to get to know someone else without looking at facts and information as the source. So, and just building relationships for some people. To just spend time with a person to play a game with them. We talked about this a bit last in the last episode to do an activity with them. You're getting to know them versus the information about them. So, has there been something major in your guys' lives where that's become a reality for you to where it's okay, I don't just know information about this thing, it's just it is what I am now? I think the closest thing that I could get
1: to, and there's probably many other examples, but the one I could really put the finger on is when we first moved to Thailand and we're launching our program. I mean, we had nothing. We had like maybe three people that were even interested. And in that journey, we had tried to get into some uh, some uh, offices and into some areas uh, to bring our program, but the door kept shutting, the door kept shutting. There's cultural issues, there's language barriers, there's, um, when I say culture, there's, just, there's processes you go through that I'm ignorant of. And a lot of times you may cross a line and do it wrong. And so you kind of get shut down, but it was interesting. We kept going back to what we were to do. And I didn't try to go find a hundred people to tell me about how do I get beyond that person's thinking? How do I understand that person's thinking? Instead, we went by what we knew that the father had brought us to this point, And we did that. And through an accidental connection, the backdoor connection brought us into those arenas in a way that they actually promoted us. And I just told them up front, I said, listen, I I love the Thai people. I love, uh, I, I want to help the Thai people. Uh, I'm American. I know my cultural ways. So I'm probably going to do things that goes against your cultural norm. I asked for forgiveness in advance and let me know and we'll make adjustments so we can do that process. And it was amazing that in getting to know them, they would laugh at me. They would be offended if I came in and studied all those things and then still did it not quite right. They would have been offended with me. But because I opened up to saying, I don't know, I want to get to know, but I want to help you with this. We had a common thing that we both wanted to accomplish, and now we had to kind of learn each other on how those mechanisms work. And I could sit in a room without speaking the language over time because I have sat in thousands of hours of meetings in a language that I have no idea what they're saying. But I've learned to read their faces, their body language. Uh, I could tell when, hey, this conversation ain't going right. Hey, this conversation is going right. Hey, what you were just saying is starting to make an impact. And I had to observe all of those behaviors. I had to get to know the people without even hearing their information. And I will tell you, that has set us off on a course. I would never trade that. But it's interesting when I talk to other people that are coming here trying to do the same thing. They would go to school, then they would take a year of training, then they would go to master the language, and they would go do those things. And there is nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying I have the better way. I'm just saying they never knew why they were doing that. They thought if they have those tools, then they can accomplish this. But the problem is what they didn't realize after I was talking to uh, one of his head officers in one of the largest arenas in Thailand He was saying there's there's reasons that people come. There's reasons that people come to help us. The first one is for their advantage. The second one is because they want to get, quote unquote, customers into their group. So they use us. But if the customer says no, then they move on to the next person. The third one is because they actually care about the people. And that's what opened us up but I didn't have all the information. And it's interesting, we've spent so much time training on the exact information to get to know someone, our ignorance. And I look at it as ignorance now. There's some things I would wish wished I could have, I would probably go back and learn before we do it. But at the same time, I got to know these people. We're friends. We have dinner together. We do do those things. And so I, I that is a place where knowledge would have actually hindered and plus i would have had so much fear when you when you start learning the protocols of officers and you knew every protocol you would be so guarded in every single action that you do you would accomplish nothing so again that's just an example i'm not saying that applies to every area of life but it's very insightful to me of uh, doing what i am what the father's told me to do because i know him i trust him so as i'm going I know he'll guide me through that journey. And I think maybe
0: some people think, are afraid of that. I think that's the point. So in that whole situation, you didn't know the culture of Thailand on a deep, intimate level. You weren't you weren't raised in it. You had some information about it, but what you knew was the heart of the father for the fatherless there and for the Thai people. You knew that heart, you knew that calling. And so because you knew that on a deep level and were convinced of that, that's what you relied on. And that got you through everything else. So all the information, it may have been there or not been there. You might not have had the information of, well, I don't know how to do this protocol or fill this paperwork out the right way or hand it to the right person or walk on the right side of the sidewalk. You don't have that specific information maybe, but because you know why you're there and what the purpose is, that kind of gets you through everything else. And it's not always pretty. It's not always perfect. In fact, it's probably there's going to be a lot of mistakes. And I think as a quick side note, that's one of our big hiccups. When we look at having a dream or a passion or a call or knowing something, we expect that we need to get all the information so that we make the least amount of mistakes possible while we're pursuing it. And that's never been the point of what anyone significant in history has done in the Bible or in history. It's not about how can I minimize all my mistakes, but we can get that to that another time. But because you knew you relied on what you did know, And I don't want to say everything else just fell into place because it's, it's not that, you know, just character of an experience, but that is what gets you through things. That's what continues a calling or a purpose or a dream on your life. And I think even going back to Alexander the great, that's what got him through. And now what not saying he was the best person in history, like from a moral standpoint or whatever, but he didn't have all the information he knew his passion and desire to go and conquer. He relied on that, and he went forward. And that's what we see with characters in the Bible, as we were talking about before, too.
1: Let me just add one more quick thing, Tommy, before you jump in, is is there's context to a lot of this, but you got to know what you are. You got to know what God's been speaking to you, but then you're not trying to analyze it. But I do think it's very interesting that even when we run our program, we deal with probation, we deal with prison, we deal with kids that are outside that are fatherless, that are coming from orphanages. We, we deal with all that. When I meet them, I do not want to know their background of negativity that brought them to that place. I, I want to know. Like if they want to share something with me, I want to hear. But I don't want a label first because the moment, especially when you're working in prison and probation, the moment I know what they did, I immediately have something that clicks in my brain that has a different view of that person. And I need to know them. And when I do, it's not long before you start figuring out character. I mean, that will start coming out, but I can't start with that label first. And I think Jesus is pretty profound about that. He never started with a person's label first. He got to know them. Now, in time, sometimes that label sticks and it becomes consistent, but our it, it will open up a huge arena that you may have avoided if you can remove the label first and actually get to know the person that's in front of you.
0: That's so interesting because most people, the majority of people in my experience would say, well, wouldn't having the information about those guys give you more context into their life, into their past, into how they think that information of why they're there and what they've done, that would give you more context so you can understand. But turns out it, doesn't actually work that way it actually gets
2: in the way
1: honestly it only gives me context about what that person views them
2: that's
1: good
0: tommy what do you got
2: i when i when i hear what you're talking about of just kind of going out and doing what you hear the father doing i think of like childlike faith it's just you know it needs to be done and so you go out you learn and you adapt and you just go do and that becomes part of the process and i think What's interesting to me is I've seen, like, new believers, they come out and they start praying for people. They start sharing right away. It's, but it's the people who have been Christians their whole life who aren't sharing the gospel, who aren't seeing God in their life, who aren't doing any of that. And it's just, it's so interesting how, like, you have all this knowledge of God. You have all this experience with God, but you don't act on it. And it's, I think it can be applied to many different things. One thing I just see in my life is I'm studying business in college and in one of the classes I'm taking on innovation, um, we're studying great companies and companies that stand the test of time and looking at what they started on. And a lot of the companies that have standed the test of time, they weren't built on a product, they weren't built on a person, but they're built on an idea or they're built on excellence or whatever that thing is and that's what made them different from other people it wasn't necessarily a product like there is one example they talked about sony and he started up his business and two weeks in they still didn't have a product and he sat everyone down he's like what should we do and but he was doing what he was supposed to do he he knew that's where he's supposed to go he got people together and now they sell a bunch of different things but it's just interesting when you lose that and then you start seeking after knowledge of how can I do it, you're never gonna get enough knowledge to go actually go do it until you just step out. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't do. Would
1: you mm-hmm. would would that kind of sit into uncharted territory where we're almost designed for uncharted territory, but if you're in the charted territory, you're kind of subject to what went before in that charted territory. It's hard to find yourself in charted territory. I'm not saying you can't or nor should we not operate in it. And when I mean charted territory, it doesn't mean there's not something in you that will bring something new within charted territory. I'm just saying we're designed to grow. So we're always kind of pressing out of something versus trying to find our place within. And again, this goes back to conformity, unity, all this stuff, all of this plays in. But I like this deliberate context because I think this is where, especially people coming out of college, thinking about their future, this has a big play
0: in that. I was thinking of that quote, I, for the life of me, I can't remember who originated it, but uh, it's it's essentially a ship and harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. And that, that came up again this last week to me. And I just remember thinking that picture is so amazing and so powerful because you can build the ship in the harbor and that's all your information like you need to know okay here's how the boards run here's how the sails are going to be affected by the wind here's you know how much force the sides can take and all of this stuff that's great information but if you never put the ship out to sea you've done nothing you've you've completely wasted the entire purpose of it and there's a lot of people out there that are great at designing ships, but never sail one that never go out, never explore. And it, I th- I don't think it's because they're, they're necessarily too afraid to go. I mean, for some people it is, but we've just been, it seems like we've been so conditioned to just be okay with building the ship and then feeling safe, looking at it in the Harbor. And that's, that's not what we're meant to do. We're meant for so much more. And it's so easy for those dreams to be killed by information, misplaced information, or from sharing that dream and that vision with someone and their response being, well, you know, it's, it's dangerous on the ocean. Did you know there's sharks out there? Did you know that, you know, X percentage of ships that go into the ocean, they end up sinking or uh, being attacked by pirates, or they never find the land they're looking for, or, you know, all these bad things happen out there. Okay. I get it. And then we just find ourselves paralyzed and sitting on the shore for the rest of our lives. And and no one wants that, but so many people are stuck in that. Yeah. I just think it's interesting how it's like we have a
2: desire for comfort, but you never come alive in that comfort. That's not what you're made for. And I think that's what really kills a lot of people's dreams is like, you know, I could go out and build a great business or I could just work a nice comfy job and just go home, watch TV, go relax, go be with the wife and kids or you could go make your life mean something but it's so easy to fall into that trap of just, oh, I can just go home, relax my life, you know, I'm just one person out of however many how how do you guys how do you deal with that as like adults that are out in the world, like how do you deal with having your life be more than just what you do, in a sense? Well, I still like the creature
1: comforts. It's a problem. I, I, I like everything normal. I don't have to go and press anything. I like it all just functioning. But something happens to you in that. And it it almost then you start looking for information to validate why you shouldn't step forward. That's what I was saying. Sometimes information can actually... You, you might be against the information, but in some ways you kind of like it because now you can, you're free not to do anything. You're, 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 you're free from being tasked to put yourself outside of what's comfortable. Uh, so I think you have to be progress. You have to, uh, constantly be aware of that. Like you're going to have to keep letting your identity and your relationship with God, because here's the reality. I think you're going to limit all relationships if you just let it stay there. It's not until you kind of push the envelope of that relationship in a healthy way that you really start to see what's there.
0: You know, one of the things that people get hung up on too, is we keep trying to measure our knowing, our information, our dreams based on someone else's story. So one person, person A, is not living out You can say the call of God in their life, if they're just working a nine to five and then going home, because that's not what the father's put on their heart to do. And they know it, but they're stuck in that nine to five and it's killing them and it's killing their family. Person B is called to work that nine to five and to spend their weekends doing whatever with their family, volunteering, whatever it is. But because we've never really been taught how to connect with the father to know him so that we can know what he has for us to do and who he has us to be, then we get stuck in whatever we're in. Because if you, if you don't know that you can have information about it, but if you don't know that you will stay in whatever, you know, creature comforts or whatever worldly comforts that you find yourself in, because that's kind of the default. Like the enemy has got this really good market cap on keeping people comfortable and stagnant and complacent. And so you actually have to break the mold to not be that these days. I mean, I, I kind of look at, I was looking at the story of uh, David in the Bible, and I honestly almost didn't want to bring it up because it's become such a cliche story for so many people that it's, it's really difficult to see David in any light other than the Sunday school version for the vast majority of people, Christians or non-Christians but I was reading his story again recently and putting myself in his position and just letting my imagination go wild with it and seeing what he saw, feeling what he felt and actually looking at his life. He knew that he was called to be the King of Israel. It helps that a prophet came and anointed him in front of everyone and said, Hey, God says you're the King, but he knew that going forward. So, any information he received from that point on was either accepted or rejected. If it lined up with what he knew about himself, I'm, I'm anointed to be the King of Israel. So he operates in that knowledge. And then information comes. So when he goes, goes to the battle lines and faces Goliath, when he's talking to his brothers and the people there, Oh, there's a giant out there. His, the information he's presented with doesn't, doesn't depress him the way it depresses literally the rest of the of the entire nation because he knows who his father is. He knows he's been anointed to be the king. So the information from his brothers, from all the other men, it doesn't affect him. It doesn't push him away from that because he knows. Then he goes to to King Saul and tries on the armor and all that information, all that armor, like here's how you need to dress for the battle to fight this guy. He tries it out. So he engages with that information but it doesn't fit who he is. So he has to let it go. And so the problem isn't, well, have we tried on the right armor? Have we talked to the right people? Have we gotten the right counsel? The problem for people is we don't know who we are. Which is an interesting thought of gathering information. So
1: even after David kills Goliath, he he wasn't a sword dueler. He wasn't trained with a sword. He was trained with the tools that he was. But then he ends up using Goliath's sword to behead him. And later on, Goliath's sword becomes part of David's armory. And yep. so it's, it's interesting as you experience things. And again, I can already hear some of these thoughts. Well, you're saying experience is the best teacher. No, I would say utilizing information and testing it till it becomes a part of you and seeing how it works becomes the best teacher. So I don't need someone to tell me if you jump off a 10-foot, 10-story bridge onto concrete, you're gonna die. I don't have to go experience that to know if the knowledge is true. But if someone just showed you a graph of the knowledge, you may challenge that if you didn't know anything else, if you didn't knew nothing about gravity or anything else. But it doesn't take long after you've stepped off a 10-foot item to realize what that feels like. If I go off this one, probably not gonna be good. So there's some experience
0: that goes along with the knowledge. And would you say that there's like for all of us? Because I want I want to tackle this thought too that we were talking about before, that for all of us, there are things that we know, and then there's things we just have information about for all of us. Agreed. So how do you one tell the difference between that when you're when you're living life with other people? How do you tell the difference between Okay, this is just something I have some information about. Versus, this is something I know, so I can speak on it. I can act on it. And how do you how do you be honest with yourself in that? Because I think a lot of people will operate from, oh, I've got information on this topic, so I can share my opinion on it and state it as if it's fact, and you know, look down on other people if they have different information.
2: This is such a great topic. Um, my pastor is just actually speaking to a similar line on this weekend, uh, this last weekend, he was talking about um, logos and Rima, the two Greek words of how God speaks to people. And logos is like the general word of God, like, you know, the written word. And Rima is specific for people. And one thing that I, one really, really good point that I thought he brought up was that you need to have an experience with Jesus and know who he is before you read and understand that Bible in a certain way. Does that make sense? So like you need to actually walk with him in order to understand what do these stories really mean in my life. And you need, you don't just need to read the Bible to understand or be able to answer questions or be able to know, Oh, that's this story, but you need to read until it becomes a part of you until it becomes who you are, until it becomes Rima in you, that you're able to share that fully convinced, fully persuaded, not a doubt, right? It becomes who you are. And I'm not saying that everything in the Bible needs to become that for you, but as you read and as you study, that's what the goal should be, is that it becomes a part of you that you're able to explain, that you're able to teach, that you're able to apply what is actually said and not just have it be head knowledge right well you just you just described how the prophet said
1: that I won't I uh, believe it's Ezekiel I'm going to put I'm going to put the law into their hearts so they had it in their heads and how well were they doing with that horrible they could not deal with the information it just it actually made it worse for them but when it's in your heart it's your nature it's not like okay I'm reading something inside I better not do that I better you can't because it's not part of you it something is different and it's
2: what you just described and I think another thing like with that too is you can you can use what other people have experienced or speak into their life right like they you could speak other scriptures that maybe you get from a book that they speak over their life but that doesn't mean the same thing to you. It has to become something to you. It has to be take up your own meaning. I can't live off of Jason's faith or your faith, Brian. I I can't do that. I can't live off your fire. It has to be my own. And I think that's where I often get missed too, is like I hear you guys or someone else at church speaking of something. I'm like, oh, I got to try that. I got to, that's the next new fad. You know, that's the new thing I got to speak over my life. That's the new thing I got to try and do. But no, that's not, that's not who I am. That's not who God is speaking to me. I'm, I could be a completely different lane and it could be this same God, right? The same God speaking different words to different people to apply it in a different way.
1: You know, I was just picturing like, as if, if let's say our, all of our goal is consistent that we're to get to the top of the, a, a mountain. So let's just call it uh, the imaginary mountain. We're we're all trying to get there. We, we've all been given the same word. that That's where we're to be. So let's just say everybody's been given that word to be there. So I go up and I chart out a trail and I tell everybody where the trail is, how to do the markings. I went up. Here's the steps to take. I went to the left, went to the right. Watch out for the tree overhanging. Hey, there's going to be a, a vine that comes across. Watch your head there. And you go up. And everybody's like making notes and they're going to go do it. But you're on the north side of the mountain, Jason. Tommy, you're on the east side of the mountain. I'm on the south side of the mountain. And the trail ain't the same. But if I gave you the principles when you're climbing up, here's some things I learned that are principles that no matter where I'm at in any of those trails, those principles would hold. Jason might be on the leeward side so that it's really dry. So he's crawling up rough rock. I may be on the other side where it gets rain all the time. So I got tropical, wet, slippery, the types of shoes I'm going to wear. So how you do the climb is going to be different. The word is still the same. And I can have principles when you start getting tired. Just take a breath. Don't panic at anything. Just flow with I could give principles that will always work, no matter where you are on the mountain, through experience. But you're going to have to navigate that differently, even though it's the same work.
0: I can I can uh, vouch for that example because that's what I did today. I was I'm actually, you could say, kind of on a retreat, and so I was doing some hiking today. And going into it, I my goal was I want to find a scenic place to look, I want there to be a rock I can sit on or some nice ground to sit on and I don't want it to be crowded with people. And so I'm looking at the trail maps because there's a there's a, a bluff here by a, a large river and there's different trails and you can start on the east or the west, whatever. And there's scenic overlook. So on the map it actually says, "Hey, if you're looking for a nice scenic overlook, go here or go here." And that's fine if that's what you want to do. I didn't want to be at a scenic overlook with other people. I wanted to be somewhere by myself, no sounds, no people walking. And so I had to go off the trail to do that. I had to go off the beaten path to use a nice cliche, which is very applicable. I had to leave everything that was written before and go over to to get to the place where I knew I wanted to be, where where God had called me to be but it is very tempting it's a lot easier to walk the trail that's been blazed and for and for a long time I did that so it's not that you know I'm going to start this walk and this hike and I'm not going to touch the trail once no I was on the trail sometimes but there came a point where I knew I needed to leave the trail and so you have to be comfortable stepping off of it not having all the information of well what's this going to look like because there's not a map for this part so I don't know if there's steps here or a slope here or what it is and so at times we have to be comfortable with getting off the trail if you're going to go somewhere different. Now, that's not a call to everyone needs to leave their jobs and be an entrepreneur. Everyone needs to go to the mission field and leave their home. That's not the point. The point is it didn't start from, well, let me look at what other people have done so I can do that same thing, get the same result. The starting point is I know what God's got for me to do. So how do I accomplish that? Here's some information. Some of it lines up. Some of it is applicable to where I'm at. Some is not. We call that discernment a lot of times, too. I think that's a a difficult journey for some people because it's a little more scary when you have to do that. Because it's easier to just trust the map.
1: Uh, Several years ago, me and my friend, we were uh, at Estes Park and we were snowshoeing. It was awesome. It was probably about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, maybe 2.30. sun was bright. skies were clear. We we're just navigating and we we're just going down this trail that was kind of pre-made and we're following down that trail. Well, after about an hour of snowshoeing, we're going down this area, it started snowing. And then it started getting dusk. So it was getting darker, it's snowing, and we don't know exactly where we're at. Now, when it was bright and clear and everything else, we are enjoying and we probably could have turned around and gone back, but now it's like everything's changed. The whole environment is changing. Now it's snowing heavier. Now it's getting colder. And we noticed that we started walking faster, faster, faster. Where we were walking to, at this point now, we're not even sure, but we're walking faster and we're starting to sweat and we're starting to do that. So in my experience and the training I had, so there's a difference between training and knowledge. I want to, training has more to do with that personal experience, or it has more to do with principles of, of life, right? And so we can see that in Old Testament. We could see principles and training that we could actually go by. We could see that in the New Testament, but we're not just following the details of knowledge. So we didn't have a GPS tracker. There was not Google at the time, uh, and we're, something's happening. So our heart started racing. We started sweating. And I immediately knew we need to calm down because the last thing you want to do is be sweating in your clothes and they start getting wet when it starts getting colder and you're not knowing where you're going. So we so we just got to calm down. Let's think for a moment. Where are we at? We're in a ravine. What's on the top of the ravine? Okay, we know which kind of direction we're going. Somewhere to our west is the road. So why don't we stop going down? And turn to our west because we know the road encompasses this whole little ravine. So we took about an hour and started walking west, and it wasn't long till we hit the road. Now, again, I didn't have knowledge of which way to go based on the GPS tracker. I didn't have all these details of information watch out for this, watch out for this, watch out for this, watch out for this, don't do I didn't have any of that. But what we did have was enough knowledge that would be, could become part of our training of principles that took us out of that place. And so I'm not, again, I we need knowledge, but it needs to be knowledge that can be applied when circumstances don't fit the knowledge. And as we got to know, in my experience, being in the mountains growing up, I realized how to follow ravines, how to follow rivers, how, how just natural flow happens. And we end up finding the road. And again, we were exploring, but we had to come to a calm security before we were going to accomplish anything. Because when panic starts coming in, new information, new noises, new experiences is, is going to be negative information that's going to cause more fear. It's going to cause something else to start taking place. And it could have actually caused a major problem. That's when people get hurt. They trip on something. It, it creates all of that. But when we just calm, let's just think for a moment and let's navigate out. And we found the road. And I, I bring that into, as we're talking through this, some people are saying, oh, so you don't need knowledge. No, we need background knowledge, but they need to be, those things in our life need to become principles that work in different circumstances, regardless of the circumstances then we also need to know who we are. And I I, I knew what I was. I knew uh, I was, one, I was comfortable in this type of environment. And from that, I also trusted people that I had gone camping with and I had gone on hikes with, not watching them because they told me what to do, but watching them, how they navigated and when they came across situations, how did they think that through? How did they navigate from point A to point B when they were lost? How did they do those type of things? What did they do when it started getting dark? That's what I'm referring to about knowing. So uh, when that becomes part of it, now we can navigate through life. And it's different.
0: I think that's really the difference between being able to go through life and saying, well, I know God is going to take care of me and provide for me. I know this verse says his eyes on the sparrow. He's numbered the hairs on my head. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And we can quote a bunch of scriptures on why we know God's going to provide for us and take care of us. That's very different than living a life where you genuinely deep down know that your father has you taken care of no matter what. And I know so many people that have the scriptures written down so they can read them and repeat them every single day. But then for some reason, there's st- they still give in to the fear. And I don't mean give in to the fear as if it's just like, you know, don't be afraid. Just, you know, clench your muscles harder and don't be afraid. That That's not how it works. But at some point, we have to go from, okay, I'm going to write this these words on the chalkboard 100 times until it becomes real to me. We have to go from putting our belief in, well, if I write these words down and memorize these scriptures enough, then it's going to become real To Well, let me go outside and walk this. Let me let me live this with my father. Now, those those two can go together, but you can't live by the former. You can't live just by information from the Bible. The, yeah, the world than, is going to kick you down.
1: It's different between memorizing an idea and meditating on that idea.
0: It yes, may look that's a great the same in it. the
1: process but there is a radical difference between the motive of what you're trying to accomplish with that. One is saying, father, show me what this means. I don't get it. How does that become part? And you keep chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it. And it could be like, you're just quoting a verse, but you're doing it in a matter of, I want to see it. I want to understand it. What are you meaning by this? What were you saying when you said this? Uh, How, how do I apply this? What do I do with this? And then all of a sudden you don't even know it. It's becoming a part of you. And then you start acting
0: in, in that manner. So. It's like, have you guys seen the movie, the mummy? Not probably not. Cause you guys are really good Christians, but there's, there's a movie with Brendan Fraser. It's called the mummy. It's, it's anyways, there's, there's this scene where there's, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but there's this tour guide and, uh, well, he's playing the part of the tour guide at this one part of the movie. There's this mummy that comes back to life. I'm going to try to really quickly summarize this to prove a point. I'll probably butcher it. So just go watch the movie. You'll know what I'm talking about there's the the little kind of tour guide guy um that's that's around with uh with the hero characters i can't remember their name right now because it's been so long but when the bad guy shows up when the mummy shows up and he's kind of this like creepy powerful spooky mummy that can melt people and take their flesh and all this stuff it's a really great movie for kids he shows up and the tour guide guy has got all these different religious symbols and so he starts going through them one by one. He's got this Buddhist thing, he's got this um, this Christian thing, and he's got this this Jewish thing. He goes through like a a handful of different religion chants, and he's got like an emblem for each one. And he finally gets to the uh, I believe it's the Jewish one, where he's holding the Star of David. And then when he stops, and he's like, "Whoa, what this guy knows this language? What's going on?" And I think at times we feel like we're doing that, where it's like, "Okay, let me let me run through this scripture. Well, that didn't work. Okay, let me go to another one." Oh, man, that didn't work either. My bank account's still low. Let me go through another one. Let me try that until we find the magic one that hits the magic button up in heaven and something happens. And that's just not how it works. Because even in the movie, even Hollywood gets this right. Ultimately, the tour guide guy isn't saved, even though he gets the right combination at some point. And that's the same for us. You're you're not going to be saved from your life or from fear or anxiety because you happen to get the right combination of scriptures down and say them every single day. It just doesn't work that way. You kind of described uh,
1: there's a point with the story of the certain father. He had two sons, one was prodigal, one was the religious one that just lived on the house at the house. And but it's interesting when the one that went away was coming back came to an end of himself. And if you remember the story, he's at the end of himself and and all these people came around and says, you know what you should do? You should go. I heard that your father treats his servants really well. Maybe you should go and try asking him to take care of you because I heard that he takes care of his, ser- his servants very well. In fact, rumor has it, he's like the best person of taking care of his servants. So if you go back as a servant, then I I think you might find that same thing. So you should give that a try because um, even the newspapers reported how great he took care of his servants. So you should really try to uh, go that journey. What you just described is how we actually do those things. But it's interesting, by the way, that is not how the story goes. He came to an end of himself and he said to himself, I would rather go and be a servant in my father's house than to be here because I know how he treats his servants. Now, the rest of the story is even better, but I want you to catch that. He knew how his father treated his servants. So he was going to go back and ask to become a servant. That is where knowing takes you somewhere. But knowing about you will never work because the father wouldn't have taken him back. He, he doesn't want more servants. He wasn't looking to hire anybody else. He wasn't looking for, for someone who's just looking for a job or just, hey, I just want a better way of life. Maybe he'll hire me. I heard it's a good company to work for. I heard this, I heard that, I heard this, I heard that, but you don't know. But when you know, there's a confidence to act on that information that you're willing to make yourself vulnerable to the outcome because you know something. So, Tommy, when when you're looking at this, you have examples in your life and you're you're a person that really he you study, you're always seeking out, you're always looking for stories of how people went down a journey before. And I I think that's awesome. In fact, one of the Best advisors from uh, a man that really impacted my life, and I was able to. He helped me set up a uh, how to set up a board and how to do that. And he's uh, Peter J. Daniels. He's a uh, he's a billionaire out of South Australia. Came to our church. His whole message radically changed our life. And uh, he said something: If you ever need help and you're part of the program, I will help. And it's true. I I called him for a question. And he got on the phone and boom, boom, boom. And it was, it was, it was really pretty neat in keeping his word. And, but I think the bigger picture that I learned, he goes, he said in his, he, he reads all the time. He's always reading, always reading. If you know his history, he's impacted so much, but what he reads is not how to books. He reads biographies. He reads biography after biography after, because bi- he wants to know how people think. Why did they think that way? What were Why did they go down that direction? So rather than looking at what the person said, he looked at how the person thought. And I think what you described earlier, Tommy, is getting to know how the father thinks about something versus just what the father's saying about. Something. So in that, there's a question there, Tommy, is how has that, What what are some of the things that you've absorbed or you've taken in that have become more principles and a part of you that even though you're not physically seeing it being done somehow those things become visual in your heart and you it's like you've seen it how are some examples or something that's affected you that's become a part of you that at one time wasn't but now it's become a part of you and now it's like you don't even realize it. it's kind of second nature to what you do
2: i i used to never read. And then I found out that people like people who had impacted people that I cared about and wanted to be mentored by, oh, they read books. And I was like, oh, maybe I should start reading books. So last year I had a goal to read 52 books and I did it. And it wasn't necessarily what I learned from the books, but it was starting a goal, completing a goal. And now reading books has just kind of become who I am. It's no longer like a goal of mine. I need to read a certain amount, but I just find myself reading books. Um, another thing I would say is just like, when you know something's from God, you just know. And it's not, you, There's there shouldn't be any doubt. Um, one example is um, when I was taking a leap to go to Thailand for the first time, you brought it up to me. You said, Hey, you should come to Thailand. And, you know, I, I already kind of had that stirring in my soul. of Like, I, I want to do something. I want to help. I want to, and you brought that up and I was like, yep, I know. And then seeing it through is like, I know the money is going to be there. It's already covered. Like I already know, I just need to go walk it out. And so doing that is like that, it, it changed my way of how I view like seeing what God has pictured for you Um, because I could have done so many different things to try and raise money, but I knew that probably wouldn't be the right thing to do. I could have done so many different things and, you know, but I knew the money was going to be there. So I, I just, you know, I shared my story. I did my thing and the money came in and I ended up going and, but I think there's just, there's a deeper level of like, it just becomes a part of you and it becomes who you are so much so that you, you can't help, but give that away as well. And I think that has so much to do with how you fill yourself up, fill yourself up and who you are to your father. If you don't know that, then you're never going to be able to give anything away. That's of value. I don't think you
1: really realize it, but one of the best examples you just gave right there, was you wanted to read because the people that you knew that were successful read a lot. So you set a goal, read 52 books, and you probably don't even really remember all the books or the information that you got out of them. But that habit did something that made you a reader. And if <sighs> I, I think there's just something really profound about that. like the action became part of you, and now you probably read differently how you look at something you're reading's different you have a whole different perspective and i thought that that is probably the best example of doing an action that looks like there's one outcome but you really weren't trying to maybe at the beginning if i learn these books then i'll be able to do if i learn this book then i'll be able to do you don't even think like that anymore it's more of i read books and it's a part of me and there's a confidence that came because of that whole habit and i i, I think that's a great little illustration
2: and it's funny i <laughs> i used to just read a book just to get through it and like even if i didn't even really like if i wasn't getting anything out of the book i would i, I have to power through because this is one of the books i have to read because such and such person read this and look at how great their life is so i just i just need to read it and now i'm like going through book and i'm like ah oh, that's I'm not getting anything out of that you know i'm, I'm trying and I'm, Oh, I'll pick up another book, and so I have like a pile of probably like ten books that I've started. and I'm just like, nah, no, I'm not getting anything. It's not the right time for that book. And then I pick up a book, and I'm like, okay, yes, this is this is this is applying right now. This is what I need, and it's reading for a different, definitely a different purpose now. Because it was like I just got to get over with the fifty-two books, and now it's like, what can I actually glean? I don't care about how many books I've read. Like I. I don't even know how many I've read this year so far, but I've gotten more out of them this year than I have last year, but it, it became who I am. Like you can ask a lot of different people that know me. They're just like, "Just time to read. And like, yeah, he reads all the time. And it's just, and I think you can do that with pretty much anything. I think in a way you went from
1: reading something to becoming a reader. So in a, mm-hmm. in an interesting way your identity piece of your identity is you're a reader but it came from reading and if if we could just encapsulate that thing and how much deeper is it on every level
0: What I love is that it's because you saw the benefit of it or you saw you saw something more in it cuz I would I would wager to say this and you can correct me if I'm wrong and that this hasn't been your experience but as a student I would imagine there's some books you've had to read for classes that you didn't really care about. And maybe just some that you were supposed to read for a class and skimmed through or just read enough to get through the class because it was something that you didn't care about. But then once the idea of reading became something that could be a part of you and you're, to use a nice cliche, your heart's desire, then it became something that you pursued and you knew about.
2: Yeah, it definitely did. And I think even (laughs) one thing that led to it is I learned that, you know, successful people, people that I cared about were big readers. I even went as far to, I took a, I took, it was, um, it was an AP class that basically was based all on reading. And I had maybe read one or two books like fully for school at that point and i was kind of diving off the deep end but that's what i needed to do to understand and that class ended up being so valuable to me in the long run just you know reading a book and then actually understanding what is the concepts and the ideas like what do i actually glean from that but i think like the big takeaway from that is like i think sometimes just jumping off and just diving right into something without trying to think about all the other knowledge I might like, oh I might need to think about like words, like maybe I should start learning some new words. Maybe I should start learning different concepts that writers, you know, like plots, all that, but no, I didn't care. I just I'm just gonna go and do and I'm gonna figure out and I'm gonna have someone there that can help me understand what I'm reading. And that I think that's something that really helped too in the process of me becoming a reader. So in a way, you were discipled mm-hmm. into reading.
1: Yeah. As we're look going through this whole journey and we're, we're going through this conversation, I trust that the more I get to know my father, how he thinks about things, how he interacts with things, how Jesus did things from his motives, like I'm standing with him watching why he's doing things and how he's doing things. And the more that that becomes part of you, you won't be hindered from, you'll you'll go into the knowledge areas that you need to go in order to keep advancing. But we were called into uncharted territory. And one of the biggest uncharted territory for believers is your position in him. It's a scary place because all of a sudden you have responsibility with what's been given to you. And so our journey is discovering what's in you. And so like Philemon says, our faith, referring to our confidence in our Father of who we are and who we are to Him, and all of that becomes effectual. It becomes powerful by the acknowledging of every good thing that is on the inside of us. So we're not trying to gain something from the outside to make us. We're trying to acknowledge what's in us, and as that comes out, the information will be from that perspective and those lenses. And so it's, as believers, this is a hard thing because we are taught to be told what to do. But Jesus never told them what to do. He told them how to do and then challenged them further than where they were. And if that paradigm switches, you go from being a child and a disciple and a position in him under his name, and that is uncharted territory for everyone. Might be in the same environment. But when your position changes, you are in new uncharted territory. And that fear and that limit of that needs to be broken.
0: A great place to leave it. So as we wrap up here, just uh, like Brian said, we we do have to have information about things, but I, I would challenge everybody listening to do a quick check. Are you are you keeping information and knowing in their right place? Because if you spend 50 years saying, well, I just need more information about this before I dot, 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 then, then you'll never, ever truly live. You'll be stuck in the same spiritual rut you've been in for the last 10 years, and you'll be stuck in the same place in life that you're depressed about that, that you've been forever. So just keeping things in the right place and above all, seeking the heart of God and knowing him because he gets us through all these things. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. Until next time, keep the faith and stay in the fight.